100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge-to-edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no-fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt Podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by Kip Folks, co-founder of Under Armour, founder of Big Truck Farms, business partner in other endeavors, and an avid hunter. We discuss the chaos of running a business, Kip's new outfitting business, Bushwhack Alaska, applying backcountry skills in the field, bears and bear hunting, selling his Pennsylvania dream property, and much more. On this week's Mountain Buck Monday Story of the Week, we have a story coming from Kyle Chrisafoli out of New York. So Kyle wrote in, after spending most of my years hunting on private property in New York that's overrun with four-wheelers and other hunters crossing borders, in 2017, I decided it was time to start hunting big woods of public land. With state land only 45 minutes from my house, I started doing some scouting there. I also decided to venture into Pennsylvania, about an hour and a half from me. While scouting and hunting them for three years, I learned about the differences between private and public. The 2020 season started with high hopes, with pictures of good bucks in both states. With that being said, deciding which state and or spot to hunt became overwhelming with the thought of going here versus there. I might miss something going on over any other spot. On November 5th, I sat all day in Pennsylvania seeing nothing but a doe and a yearling. I went back in the 6th to the same stand, sat till 11, and saw nothing. Doubting myself, I called a good friend. He told me to get out and head to the public in New York. So I got down and headed right to my stand there. I arrived around 2 p.m. and made my hike to the spot. About 200 yards from my stand, I started running a scent drag. When I got to my stand, I hung it on a sapling and then hung a few more around it. While hanging my last one, I heard a snort wheeze and leaves rustling. And I looked up to where I walked in to see a dandy buck running away right where I walked in. I blew it. I sat the rest of the night hoping he would return, but knew it probably wouldn't happen. I returned to the spot the following day and did the same routine. I sat in the dark and said a little prayer to my grandfather who had passed away a year ago to the day. At 8.45 a.m., I heard a few leaves rustling, and he came walking into a perfect 20-yard shot. I started the draw and nicked my release just enough for it to come off and my arrow come unknocked. I thought to myself, I blew it again. Luckily for me, the buck never heard it, so I was able to re-knock my arrow. After all that, he had made his way out to 35 yards by then, but I was able to make a shot on him. I sat and thanked my grandfather and started making phone calls. It was a hunt I'll never forget, and I'm hooked on big woods hunting ever since. Congratulations, Kyle. That's an awesome story, and man, I I think any of us can relate when you have, whether it's multiple states or multiple spots, I'm thinking, should I be here, should I be there, and uh, pretty cool that that worked out that the way it did, and and I'm sure your grandfather is proud looking down on you with how that all worked out, and uh, such an awesome buck. So anybody that's listening to this, you can see the photos of this buck over on Instagram, East Meets West Hunt, or Facebook, East Meets West Outdoors, and uh, be able to take a look at it. And if you have a mountain buck story that you want to submit, send it into my email, boateastmeetswesthunt.com, and put in the subject line, Mountain Buck Monday, just a short paragraph or two, 
and uh, some photos of the of the the hunt, the buck, whatever. I, I'd love to be able to share that with the audience. I've had so many come in here recently, so thanks everybody for for sending those in. Love being able to share them. And uh, with that being said, I well, I guess this will be uh, after this will come out the day after Christmas. So I hope that everyone had a, a great Christmas and holidays with your family and friends and and uh, enjoying that time. So with that being said, I hope that uh, you have a great rest of your week. And if you like the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, anyone you think can get some value out of it and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe on YouTube. Appreciate it. All right. We are live. Kip Folks, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? been a couple years i think i think it's been two years maybe more so it's been, it's been four years ask man that tells you what life is like yeah it i I, I looked back and it was december of 2019 when we did our last podcast and things were a little things were a little bit different then i would say yeah uh what a wild world uh, you've been doing <laughs> Uh, I've been doing a lot. It, it, it that feels like forever ago. Oh, I know. And and what's funny is I remember when we did that last podcast, you had you had deleted all social media. You didn't have anything of that. You know, big truck was really you know ramping up and starting to do that. And you tell me about all these plans you had for it. And now seeing that all come to fruition, and you know you being a part of other companies and everything too, it's 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 pretty cool to see. You know, I was talking to someone about this, a good buddy of mine, Hunter Dane. Uh, he was up for uh, Guide of the Year by the Sheep Foundation. He didn't get the award, but he's been an Alaskan guide and a, a, a professional guide his whole life. And I was just on the phone with him this morning. I said, I wonder if I create chaos to feed myself stimulus or if it's truly things that I want to build. And lately, I'm 51 now. I've been doing this for a long time, um, 30 plus years in the kind of apparel, footwear, hunting, fishing space. And I had to like ask myself if I like create chaos for stimulus or if it's <laughs> truly things I want to do. And, you know, even being 51, I had a hard time answering it. And uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of it going on. And, and I, I think it's good to just check in with yourself. But it yeah. is, it's a lot going on. And sometimes you're like some of, some of our personalities, we just layer more and more and more on. And, and you got to make sure it's the right stuff. And what I learned, and I know you, you, you're big on family and friends, but it's got to be with the right people. Yeah. Oh no, most definitely. I mean, you, you've taught me a lot about that with business, you know, early on for some reason you'd latched on to me a little bit when I was first starting out and doing some of this stuff and gave me a lot of really good advice that I've taken over the last six years of starting my own business and, and working through things. And, and yeah, it definitely seems like, definitely seems like for you, you definitely like a lot of that, that chaos, <laughs> but it, it also seems like you have the, the passion for it too. So that, that helps. Yeah. I mean, like, look, big truck is amazing, but it's the beverage business and it's, it's, there's a lot of brands out there and it's highly competitive and it's very cash intensive and you need a lot of financing and, 
And I think, you know, I'm not sure if I knew all of that getting into it, if I would do it again, but we believe in the brand. It's like an all American brand. It's we just signed all of Ohio. We have West Virginia. We have North Carolina. We have two distributors in Virginia. So it's like it's starting to feel like, oh, shit, all that work. And, um, you know, people love our beer. They love the brand. So it's really easy to sell. But in a, everybody needs to realize every business has a business model. And beverage is a two-step business. I have to sell it to the distributor. And the distributor has to sell it to the retailer. And the retailer has to sell it to the consumer. Mm-hmm. That's hard, man. And, you know, I like these direct-to-consumer business where you can just talk to them and you can sell them some great products or services. But, uh, yeah, I think I, I have a lot on my plate. I'm trying to weed through it right now. Um, definitely mm-hmm. a lot going on. Well, and and uh, it's funny because back right at the beginning when we first when I first started advertising big truck stuff through through the podcast and everything, the biggest question was like, where do I get it? And I'm like, well, you know, it's like it was a more complicated answer than, you know, because of what you just said, all those steps that went through. But in the last year, the amount of pictures that I've been sent of, oh, we got big truck here locally now and there like, I mean, you can go anywhere around where I'm at, where I where I live at and go to any grocery store now. And there's, there's big truck sitting on the, on the rack and everything. And it's like, it's so cool to see that evolution. Pennsylvania has been a great, a great state for us. I mean, we're right on the Maryland PA line. So we feel very, a lot of affinity to Pennsylvania, but a lot of like, just like good people, hardworking, uh, love their hunting and fishing. I'm wearing my orange hat for, you know, it's still hunting season here. (laughs) Yeah. So, Pennsylvania has been massive for us and we're going to continue to, to invest in the state. And I think Ohio is going to be really, really amazing for us. And that kind of bridges me out where I can start going out West a little bit. Um, Most people don't realize, or maybe they do. I don't know. You know, beer is all about logistics, man. It's heavy. Uh, It takes a lot of transportation dollars to move it around. So it's like a mini logistics network. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds, uh, that sounds fun. <laughs> but the, and it was, it was actually funny. I, one of my uh, favorite places I like to go get some food and, and drinks at and everything. I went there, I don't know, I hadn't been there in like eight months and I went in this fall and across their taps, they had three different types of big truck on tap. And then they, ha- I could, I mean, the it's perfect because the the branding is great because you can see it from a ways away on top of the uh, yeah. I can't think of what it's called, yeah. but where the spigot, the tap thing, yeah. And uh, and I was like, man, that is that is pretty cool to to be did able you to talk see. Talk to him about it. Yeah, I did. I know the owner really well, and he's like, oh yeah, we were, and they were selling out of it like crazy. So it was it was pretty cool to see. Well, we're launching a really cool new American lager uh, called Highlight. And uh, we have a new peach tea. So we're just trying to like give people what they want. And a lot of times that's not what the distributor wants. And the distributors are like, well, I have two other tea brands. I don't need another tea brand. I'm like, our consumers drinking more than just beer. I see it in the cooler at fishing camp, at hunting camp, the White Claws, the Trulias. You know, guys want something easy drinking. Maybe their wives are there. Maybe they just don't want to feel that way about drinking beer. So 
it's all about giving people what they want. So we're super pumped about our relaunch of the American lager and the peach tea. So go, go into the local restaurant and see if they change out the tap handle. Yeah, I'm 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 definitely gonna have to check that out. I did I did notice that the the local grocery stores I was going through getting groceries the other day that they had the peach tea. Um, oh really? That, yeah, they had they had uh, six packs of that sitting on the sitting on the rack. So that was yeah, that cool. one's a dangerous one for everybody that likes to have their you know work hard and have one at the end of the day. That stuff doesn't even taste like alcohol. <laughs> I, with a beer, if you chug it, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm chugging a beer, you know? Like, yeah. IPA. You chug that peach tea, man, and you're like, God, give me another Kool-Aid. It doesn't even taste like alcohol. Yeah. So. It's, it's, it's funny too. Like the, the IPAs, uh, it was, that's not something I guess traditionally like a lot of my family or anybody growing up in the small towns had IPAs, but whenever I do, uh, whenever I go to deer camp and especially when I'm doing podcasts, I bring big truck for everybody so that they have, and they, they all are just like, just that's great. Love it. Well, we appreciate the support and it's good. Cause we, we, we want to be with folks like you and uh, people that are passionate about the outdoors and, and that's our niche, right? Yeah. Like nobody needs another beer brand. And so like, why does big truck exist? And it's like, well, if you look across the landscape at all these craft beers, I don't see a lot of people talking to hunters and fishermen. I see the national brands like Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light saying, buy me, buy me, buy me. But anybody listening, don't buy corporate products small fine companies you like that are small in your community and buy them i don't care if it's big truck i don't care what products they are don't give money to corporate america it's 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 a it's a tough racket out there it's not helping our communities no and no you're 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 100 percent right and and i think and i think you're starting to see more of that across the board and which is good uh, of people wanting to support those, those types of brands and doing everything. What I like about your message with big truck, isn't that like you're not promoting people to just drink their faces off. It's, it's, it's this this promotion of earning it. Yes, exactly. Right. Of like you're, you're out hunting all day with your buddies or you're out working all day and you have one at the end of the day. And that's kind of like, that's what it's meant to be. It's not meant to, to, to promote drinking per se, it's it's promoting. Hap- yeah, I think you know. we all got to be responsible. I have kids. I'm I'm raising my kids. I own an alcohol brand, and I'm like, hey man, it's it's totally fine. You want to have a pop at the end of the day. You want to uh, hang out with your friends, but it's all about uh, being safe. It's all about being responsible, and you can you can you can have a good quality beer. You can have a couple of them. You you can hang out. You can do all that, but you just have to do it with uh, the intent that you're not being gluttonous. And uh, now that's a fine line when you're an alcohol company because everybody wants people to just, you know, drink a ton. And that's a little part of the industry sometimes I, I, I don't necessarily agree with. So, you know, we grow our own grain, uh, we grow our own hops and it goes right into the product. So it's high quality product. There's not a lot of preservatives and shit you don't have to worry about. If someone's consuming a shit ton of Bud Light, I don't know what the hell's in that thing. I don't know why it can last 220 days on the shelf. (laughs) Uh, uh, Well, that... 
and, and I've been, you know, I've been with, with you at, you know, your hunting camp in uh, Pennsylvania and seeing like how, how you believe that this was meant to be consumed. You know, you have your buddies and you have your, you know, your family there and everything. And it's like the end of the day, everyone cracks a beer, kind of tells stories about the day. And, you know, that's kind of the, the nature of it. Art, man. Yeah. Oh shit. I saw a big one through the trees. I couldn't get on it. What? You couldn't get on it. All the stories yeah. at the end of the day. That's we, we had a good we had a good camp this year, and um, we had a uh, we had a uh, which makes me excited is we had a first time hunter, my son's friend Ian. His mom doesn't even eat meat. His dad's from uh, Newfoundland, Canada. Grew up with hunting, but they don't hunt anymore. He's eleven years old. He shot his first deer. Shot a shot shot a nice little deer. So. Oh, I mean, awesome. first time hunter going out and then I made the process easy for him. I cut it all up myself. We put it in bags. I gave them the best cuts, try not to overwhelm them with too much meat. And they went home with some back straps and fillets and, and they like raved about it. So this kid at 11 years old, now he loves hunting. He loves deer meat. Um, he's just pumped. And I, that to me is that to me is everything. And that, that's a little bit leads into the whole conversation about Alaska and about this new idea I have, um, which I was so pumped to talk to you about it. Cause I, I know you love adventure. Yeah. And you, and you hadn't, you hadn't really let much of the cat out of the bag to me other than you were just like, I, I need it. You, you've texted me a couple of times and, 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 you know, teased about it a little bit of like, I got this new thing going on and, uh, you're, and, I could tell it was just like, this is what you've been wanting to do. And so I'd like to yeah, hear so a little bit think, about like, it. I've been in the hunting uh, and fishing space uh, uh, specifically with Under Armour and now with Origin for 25 plus years. And, and I say this not to disrespect anybody, not to um, take away from other people's products, not none of that. It's just more factual so people understand where I'm coming from and where my passion lies. But when I started Under Armour Outdoors, there was no performance apparel for hunting. There was no QU or Sitka or First Light. There was none of that. And those guys have come on in the last 10, 15 years and have done amazing stuff. And they're all great brands. And I love people pouring their heart into hunting. But if you look back when I started Hunt Fish at Under Armour, you had to buy like cotton real tree at like crappy prices at Walmart. Or maybe there was true timber that had kind of like a nylon shell. There was no performance apparel in hunting. And so I look at my career and I'm like, okay, how do you be an innovator? How do you push hunting and fishing culturally change the way people look at it? And so I went out and bought one of the world-class outfitters in Alaska. And so now I'm not on the client side. I'm not buying hunts. I'm taking the culture of hunting, almost six, 700,000 acres of exclusive hunting in the uh, Lake Clark Preserve uh, by Lake Iliamna, and I I bought a world class outfitter, and I got the best big game fishing in the world, and I uh, I put my I put a lot of time and energy into researching it. Uh, the name of the company is Bushwhack Alaska. 
the name of the lodge is Terralick Terralick Lodge, typical Alaskan name. And yeah, I'm going to build adventures and experiences for people to solidify hunting in the culture of people's lives. And, and you can't, you can't find remote anymore. Yeah. I mean, I've done as much backcountry hunting as most of them. And I grew up with it hunting the Bob Marshall in in uh, Montana and Wyoming with my dad. Like it's hard to get remote. And so I wanted big game. I wanted remote. I wanted adventure. And uh, I'm so pumped about it, man. And it's nerve wracking because I, I, it's new to me, completely new. Kind of like Big Truck was. I never run a beer business before. So I, I like to push myself to try things new. And I have an unbelievable former owner, Eric, is going to stay on board. And uh, my business partner, Tim Winslow, is an Alaskan guide. So I'm pumped, man. Like, oh, man. <laughs> so on and on and on and on. But uh, I knew you'd be excited to talk about it. Yeah. No, that that is awesome. And I guess, so what... What first of all, I guess, what will you be guiding there? Will be just like every species that's in Alaska is in that moose. Moose is awesome. Uh, It books out pretty far because you got to manage the numbers. You can't just shoot the moose out. Yeah, Uh, a ton of brown bear, a ton of grizzly. Uh, They don't even really promote black bear hunting, but in my area, it's over the counter black bear tag, and you can shoot three. So we're going to really build up the black bear hunting. So you got moose, grizzly, brown, black bear, wolf, doll sheep, and some of the most unbelievable fishing in the world. It's Lake Iliamna. It's the largest freshwater lake in Alaska. It's about the same size as Lake Erie. (laughs) And it has over 600 streams that connect. And, um, the fishing, salmon, rainbow, grayling, sockeye. Um, the lake even has, it's the only freshwater lake that has native seals in it because it was sealed off from the ocean. It's just, it's like, it's everything I wanted it to be. And some of the areas, obviously in Alaska, you, you share uh, hunting rights with other guides, but we have a large portion of our hunting territory that's exclusive only to uh, Tim Winslow, my partner. Man, that is that is so cool. And and is that is that area is that something that you have to fly into or is that an area that you can drive into? Yeah, so Alaska will kill you with logistics. It is a remote lodge, you cannot drive to it. Um once you get there, there are some roads and some cars in there, but Iliamna has a Coast Guard uh airport and you can fly into Iliamna on a on a plane. Or you can fly into, it's 48 minutes via float plane south of Anchorage. Okay, gotcha. And to get people into hunting logistically, we our furthest flight is 45 minutes. Most people we can drop off in 15, 20 minutes from, from the lodge. So I have uh, two remote lodges um, in two different lakes. And um, it... it Funny enough, I was going through the equipment list, seeing what came with the purchase. And Bo, this is how I roll. And you know that. I didn't even know I bought a plane. <laughs> Got a Super Cub in it. That's awesome. So I'm, like, I'm a plane owner. I'm kind of fancy. Um, are, are you going to learn to fly it? 
I, I'll probably force my brother Kobe to do it because he's the old helicopter mechanic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anybody wants Kip flying them in and out of hunting camp. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm not saying I wouldn't trust you, Kip, but I might pick somebody else first. Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll we'll contract with a lot of great. Uh, we'll, we we need more than one plane. We'll we'll operate three or four planes for the season. It, it, it's open from April 15th to about October 15th, and then they do in Alaska what they call they pickle the lodge and shut it down, and then they open it back up in in April. And so, yeah, I think I'll be there with Cam on snowmobiles trying to kill some bears coming out of the snow with our bows. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%, and if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S., and I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. Oh man, that is, that is so cool. And then that's because when, when you guys did the once we were wolves film, I'd set, I saw something where you had said, first of all, that film was absolutely incredible. And, and secondly, I'd saw where you had said, you know, part two coming and, uh, that, that sounds like that, that would be a, such a, such a cool adventure. Yeah. It's a little bit of heritage. My grandfather was from Fairbanks. I have been hunting. I've, I've killed a number of species, um, um, moose, brown bear, and grizzly. I've been hunting Alaska for 15 plus years. Um, it just feels like home to me. And that's funny being from, you know, living in Maryland. And, you know, but I was born in Utah. My dad's from Great Falls, Montana. My, you know, my grandfather was from, from Fairbanks. And then he actually moved to New York City. So for me, a little bit of like a a little bit of going home, like Alaska and the wilderness to me is, I feel the most at peace. Yeah, I, I, I was up in Alaska this past September moose, moose hunting and, and, uh, I'd been up there a few times now and I just have fallen in love with going there. And it's funny, my grandfather, he didn't grow up there, but he was a fire jumper, um, in Alaska back in, I don't remember what years in the sixties, I believe maybe earlier fifties. Uh, do you imagine what it was like in the sixties? 
No, and he was saying he'd spend three months out in the wilderness fighting these fires. Like before they'd, you know, go back, they'd get dropped off and food would get dropped off by plane and, and all of this stuff. And, and, you know, he's driven there multiple times and just like hearing those stories and seeing these old photographs that he has has really like made it for me of like, I want to go there and, and hunt as much as I, as I possibly can. And it's so cool when you go there and, and you don't, have to worry about other people you don't see any other people it's it's true remote wilderness and it and it's it's an eye-opening experience when you get dropped off in the middle of nowhere whether you're by yourself or even with a couple people it's a it's a lonely feeling at first until you kind of get the get the feel for it you know and when, when i spent 13 days up there moose hunting dropped off at a lake sleeping in a tent it was just like Holy cow. Yeah. This is everything that I need has to be right here in my backpack. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was in bear camp four years ago and it took us 17 hours to get the coast guard to parachute in on a guy that got mauled by a grizzly. And, uh, you know, people think like, well, you know, I carry my emergency responder. I'll just press the button and the cavalry will be here. Well, the cavalry in Alaska might be 24 to 36 hours away. And, uh, you know, the cavalry in northwest Pennsylvania probably gets you in 20 minutes. Yeah. And so you got to think you got to think about who you're with. Uh, You got to think about your skills. I'm going to take this pretty seriously. I'm even going to open up uh, uh, an emergency medical course on my lodge where people can come fish a little bit, hang out, wildlife view, and they can take an emergency medical class um, as part of our kind of like growth of the lodge. I'm not just going to focus on hunting. We're going to have a, um, a backpacking class and a survival class. So we're really going to try to round out the culture. That's what I want to invest in. And this is why maybe behind the scenes, when I started off with, well, I started Under Armour and this, that, and the other. What I'm trying to paint a picture is that I am going to continually invest in the cultural of hunting, fishing, in the outdoors. And the only way I've realized to pass something on is to build brands and let them live forever. You know? Yeah. I don't think Under Armour is going to go away anytime soon. I don't think Origin's going to go away anytime soon. I don't think Jocko Fuel is going to go away anytime soon. Big Truck is not going away anytime soon. They'll be there when I'm dead, and that means I pass on something that lives longer than I do. So this Bushwhack Alaska, and you'll love my motto, die with your boots on, is (laughs) it's going to be passed on to my kids. It's going to be passed on to other people, and people that come there are going to be like, yeah, I did my wilderness training school at Bushwhack, Alaska. Yeah. And th- and that that to me solidifies hunting, fishing and outdoors as a part of our way of life. That to me is the important part. I I, I you know, I get excited about products and selling things to people and seeing their reaction, but at the end of the day, if we don't have these experiences, we can't fall in love with it. You can't just fall in love with the products you own. Yeah. The products unlock the experience. Yeah. And the, so the, I the, wanted to invest, Bo, in the experience part, not just the product part. 
Yeah, the products make the experience better, hopefully. Like that's the, the yeah. you know, more comfortable or however, whatever they're designed to do. But those experiences, and I like the aspect that you just said, the, the training aspect, which is something that I've really tried to tried to focus on a lot is like giving people the skills to be able to have those experiences and make those experiences that much better. And, you know, with being able to have, you know, the backcountry first aid or medicine, you know, that type of training and, and learning about how to use the gear that you have to be able to keep you alive and thriving in the wilderness, like all that stuff, you can have every, all the best gear in the world and but if you don't know how to use it and you don't know how to to you know thrive and survive out there then that's that's a whole that's a whole nother a whole yeah, nother I, thing i grew up with it i have a vietnam dad who was way more comfortable being lost in the woods than he was being around people and so in every turn we were backcountry you know i've posted on my instagram when i'm in you know, middle school, sixth grade, fifth grade. And we're, you know, we're 60 miles back. I mean, that's how we lived. I mean, it was very comfortable to just have shit on my back and deal with whatever you got. And, uh, you know, along the way, you learn some tricks to make yourself a little bit more comfortable. But it's the mindset to survive and it's the mindset to survive and thrive when everything else seems not possible. Yeah. And to me, that makes great people. Oh, no, most definitely. And, and, and you just, and once you learn these skills and you, and you're able to put yourself in those environments, I say it all the time, but it helps you so much in every other aspect of your life. If you can go through and weather out the storms and you're able to learn how to be patient and you got to be socked in a tent for two days and, and, and be able to go through all these situations, you come back to regular life and things that people are flying off the handle over email on aren't, as big of a deal as you as you think and you can handle them and look at them in more of a clear mind and make decisions better than if you didn't go through that type of that stress or that that I don't want to say hardship but you know what I mean like just oh, yeah. putting yourself through and those for, situations and for young young adults it's been proven I did a study with um a group and Johns Hopkins around behavioral science and we paired kids in sixth and seventh grade with police officers in their community and we put them into the outdoors and we showed that the bond that they could create was um, massive and to give these kids life skills early on by challenging them in the outdoors we had all these great results from the study and they tracked the kids over four or five years and the police officers and it Unfortunately, the program got dropped here in Baltimore City a few years yet, but it ran for a few years. And, you know, I donated a significant amount of money to get it off the ground because I believed in getting people to the outdoors. It wasn't about hunting. It wasn't about fishing. The outdoors is such an equalizer for young adults. And I want to really talk about that fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth grade before they get into high school. Obviously, there's never a time that's too late, but it's actually been proven if you can get them during those developmental years, it has confidence, um, motivation, um, you know, resilient. And we know what it's like just being adults going through it. But yeah. I truly believe that what my dad did at that age, I mean, he 
he he grinded my you know what into the dirt i mean yeah. i remember hiking the sierra nevadas when my dad was stationed in in san diego and i had never hiked the sierra nevadas before well the sierra nevadas suck because they're sh- they're straight the fuck up <laughs> yeah. they're all cut by people with horses they're not cut by hikers and uh, man I, I hated it and i was in sixth grade hated it. wanted to kill my dad thought he was the worst human being known to mankind um i don't think i talked to him for weeks after he made me go on that trip we stayed up all night. We had to stack rocks outside of our tent because the black bears in the Sierras are something to be rivaled with because you can't hunt them. But I'm resilient today because of that. Yeah, I was going to say that that's helped you today to be able to go on these Alaska trips and go, you know, elk hunting and doing all these things that that you've been able and to, just to, to hey, in business and business. Yeah, it doesn't work. I'm trying to string together a bunch of shit right now. And I'm like stressed as shit. And people are like, oh, you must have a great life, Kip. I'm like, no, dude. Like I'm working hard to get all this shit to work. Nobody cares about my past. They don't give a fuck. They, no. You got to run a good business. Yeah. So I'm excited, Bo. And I'm excited to get you out there and your friends. And, I, and, and if anybody listening can send me uh, 13 Pacific Waves, send me a DM. But this Black Bear thing, Spot and stock black bear with oh, a wolf yeah. combo all over the counter. You don't have to draw. We're going to blow it out of the water and, and just make some great, some great adventures. And then my brother, I don't know if you know Kobe, but he owns Rise Fishing. And so we're super pumped about the, about the fly fishing. It's a, it's unbelievable. These yeah. guys are sending me pictures of rainbows that are like 29 inches long. I get excited if I catch like a 15 to 18 inch rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so different. It's, you know, everything's, everything's bigger and everything's better in Alaska. That's for sure. That's, I, that's, that's hit a moose cool. when you were out there. I did not No, And, in uh, 13 days we were there, I never saw a legal bull. Um, and the area that I was in had to be 50 inches wide or four brow points. And I had one came in about 60 yards that he was right on that line, but I didn't want to no. risk, uh, risk doing that. Not so, perfect. Wasn't worth it, but um, it was a low low density area. Kind of knew that that was going to be the nature of it. Did see a black bear though that uh, I, I I was like, do I, I had a tag in my pocket and I'm like, do I want to stock a black bear when I'm hunting moose? I need to focus on what I'm doing. And then I was like, you know, fuck it, I'm gonna go chase that black bear. And by that time, I lost track of him and uh, couldn't couldn't find him again. Yeah, I think a lot of bear population around the country, specifically Alaska in certain areas, but obviously Pennsylvania, Maryland, New Jersey, Delaware, um, we got Ohio. I think I would really encourage everybody to get excited about black bear hunting. And I'm going to now be on the outfitter side. I need people to come hunt black bears. They're killing the moose and the caribou. During calving season, grizzlies, browns, and black bears wreak havoc on the recruitment rate of of caribou and moose. And moose populations across have struggled for a variety of reasons, but the number one is is bears. Wolves are pretty pretty good hunters, but where we're at, you don't see them a ton. But there's a reason why in my area, 
you can shoot three black bears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they want you to shoot bears. And I will tell you, like, I so the first time I actually hunted bears was in Montana in the spring. It was last year. And I went and I, I spot and stalked and I killed a big boar. And it was like... I'd, I'd never really, I mean, I live in Pennsylvania. There's a lot of bears, but I've never really focused on hunting them, but getting to do it spot and stock and hunting them yeah. that way. That was one of the most fun hunts that I've ever done. And I had looked at doing that in Alaska too, because it's, it's one of those things, like you said, it's an over the counter tag. There's a lot of them and it's a, it's a lot easier, even from a, you know, a monetary standpoint and everything else to be able to go hunt black bears and do it more regularly than even hunting some of the other, other big game species. So it's, we're it's allowed uh, to bait in the area that I'm in, but we're really going to focus on that spot and stock. And, you know, baiting in Alaska logistically in a remote area, getting food in and out. So we're, there's plenty of bears. We don't need to bait with it. And they're actually quality meat. So most of them live off of berries. So you you tend to have a really good meat to take home. Uh, Obviously, the preferred meat in Alaska is moose, but uh, black bear up there is really good. Most people don't, you don't touch the brown bear and the grizzly. That's mostly a conservation hunt. Uh, and to limit the numbers, but the meat on black bear is great. So I, I'm just so like, I'm like in it to win it, man. I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, I was excited to come on the podcast and talk about it, but, uh, you know, I'm also going to partner with origin and, and, you know, get some clients, some gear and partner with Montana knife company and some great companies to just like bring them to Alaska. And, and we have a lot of control because I own lodges and I own the logistics and a significant portion of my hunting is exclusive. So we're not fighting other outfitters, you know, like it's it, man, like we're it. Some of the, so the Lake Clark preserve is the least traveled national park in the world, or at least in the United States. I think less than 10,000 people a year come to this place. It's massive. Everything from alpine, doll sheep, all the way down to the lowlands and thousands of rivers and lakes. I mean, I started looking at the map and I started going, Kip, what the fuck did you do? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I can imagine. And and when, uh, so when is this going live? Like when, when can you find it for me? I'm the owner. Like the deal went through the, the 2024 season will be under, uh, under my ownership, Eric, the current owner or the previous owner who just sold it to me, 19 years, savage, built it up. He's going to stay on. He's a great resource. He wants us to be successful. Um, Tim Winslow, uh, who's obviously my main partner, he's he's the Alaskan guide. I'm going to really learn from him. And mm-hmm. this is not a Kip thing. It's really a Tim and an Eric thing. But I was able to make the deal get to get put together. Um so it's it's uh yeah april 12th it's wide open man we got a hunting season under my belt uh so i'll get my i'll be a packer for two years and get my alaskan guide license i'm probably the only executive that's worked at any company ever at my at the size and shape of under armor to go become a packer in alaska and get my assistant guides license so i'll work underneath tim and uh eric to earn uh you got to get 60 days 
two years in a row. So you got to get 30 and 30. Mm-hmm. And you have to be present for, I think, three or four big game kills. And then you can apply for your assistant guide license underneath a registered guide. So that's my plan, man. That's my oh, fucking that's, plan. That, that's my awesome. Family, we're all going to do the same thing. I mean, hey, man, you want to get your days? Come on out. Yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome. So Kobe's going to go up with you, too, and oh, do yeah. the same thing? Yeah. I mean, why not, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's going to say no? Matter of fact, I don't want to be friends with you if you say no. I know. <laughs> that is so that is that is such an uh incredible opportunity and 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 just the the location, everything about it. That's the 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 truly they call Alaska the last frontier for a reason. I mean, going and it up can there. It's really expensive. I mean, we sell some doll sheep hunts for 50, 60 grand. We sell moose hunts for 38 to 40 grand. And so I started looking at it going, okay, like those hunts are premium and, and, you know, it's a certain clientele and, you know, we have to cater to that. And I really wanted to make sure everybody could have and take advantage of what we have. So my fishing is, is reasonable. The black bear is going to be reasonable. And so I wanted to have kind of like a good, better, best strategy, but we can get a lot of people out there. And we have a lodge that sleeps, uh, you know, 20 or 30 people. Uh, it's very comfortable. We got 40 Arctic oven tents. I mean, it's it's going to be wild, man. It's going to be wild. <sighs> oh, that is so, so cool. And so that, um, w- with with that being said, it looks like, you know, you've, for a while here, you've uh, owned uh, the historic North Fork Lodge here in yep. Pennsylvania. And was it 7,000 acres? of land nestled within all this public land around big woods mountainous type area there and i would noticed here recently that you had listed that up for sale to be able to focus your efforts on this on this new project well i'm shooting a new bow this year and i am pumped after playing around with a buddy's hoy rx8 The smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the GoStix 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that in addition the integrated kickstand within the hbx exact cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier if you want to experience what i'm talking about head to your nearest hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself you can learn more at hoyt.com the mobile hunters expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the mobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. Yeah, I think I learned in life 
like we, you know, like, am I creating stimulus? Am I just throwing more and more things on my plate? And so I was very cautious to say, hey, Kip, come on, Alaska, you live in Maryland. So, you know, I have this amazing lodge. I've owned it for 16 years. And I just said, you know what, it's time is right to kind of put it out there, see if someone's interested in it and uh, find the right buyer. It has to be the right person who really appreciates what they're getting. It's funny because the Whitetail Properties who's listing it for me, they're like, we've never seen anything like this. This is, we never had anything like this. There's nothing like this that exists in the Northeast or the East Coast. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I bought <laughs> yeah. Like you drive around, it takes you four hours to get around the property. And you've been there and we, both of us have been there and I still haven't set foot on all the property. Yeah. It's uh, and so it's an amazing opportunity for maybe a group of people, uh, maybe a club, maybe some pro ball players, you know, it's not a cheap price. I don't think the average man's going to come in and scoop it up. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's for sale and, uh, I'm not hiding it. I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel guilty about it. I feel like great. Like, unbelievable run we've done deer studies we've put food plots in we had a deer biologist dr carl miller andy we've managed that place to the till and some of the bucks we have on camera and some of the bucks we killed this year and the bears the turkey i mean it's it's shangri-la and i know you're like how do i scrape the money together to buy northbrook because it's like perfect for you yeah, I know. but uh, yeah no <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm, I I think maybe, you know, maybe two, three hundred years of beer delivery for you might be able to pay it off. I don't know, whatever it takes. But, uh, uh, but don't, no, don't it's yourself short, man. Don't sell yourself <laughs> short. Give yourself uh, a couple of years. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's a really, really special place there. And and for anyone listening or anybody that's been listening, that's been to the, the Mountain Buck Scouting Camp, that's where it's been at the last couple of years at at Kip's property there. He's been gracious enough to let me use that property but and lodge. Place you can always come down if it sells. You know, I got to two farms in Maryland that, you know, uh, by all means uh, are at your fingertips. We got uh, 300 acres here in, in Parkton and another uh, 300 acres down on the shore. We just shot a hammer down on the shore. My head brewer sends me a picture. I'm up in Pennsylvania for the opening day of deer season with my kids and my head brewer sends me a picture of a 161 buck he just shot. Yeah, Derek sent me the picture too. <laughs> Mike, what am I doing here? Yeah. yeah. That so thing is I an was, absolute giant. Yeah. Derek is an awesome, awesome guy. I mean, talented. Really, really talented brewer. Yeah. Yeah. And photographer and videographer. Yeah. He came up and helped me for the scouting camp and, and he filmed a bunch of stuff and hung out and been a part of a bunch of so other his projects. So bow hunting on the farm where the, where the brewery is, he kills a non-typical like 14 pointer. And then his first day of gun season, which he doesn't really gun hunt that much. He shoots this thing. So, I mean, the guy's got a horseshoe up his ass. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, it's, it's been, it's been fun. And, um, you know, let's work together on the Alaska thing. And, you know, I think if anybody's out there listening and you have a, a, an interest in, in fishing or black bear or any of the other species, you know, bushwhack Alaska, Kip folks. So let's, let's, you know, that's the funny thing about the guiding and, and, uh, outfitter business. It's, it's all about the clients 
and making sure they have a great experience, uh, making sure they get what they want, because um, they're putting a lot of money into it. And, and may, they might only do it once in their whole lifetime. And yeah, so and- I'm very focused on giving people like what they deserve, like best in class. And I think, you know me, I don't want to do anything short. No, and, and I think I think what's a unique situation that you're in is you you've been someone that's been paying these outfitters and going to these places for so many years that you know what you want and what you like and what you don't like. So to be able to take that and put that into your own business, that's being able to serve others in that way is a is a really cool, I guess, aspect of being able to do that. I mean, just think about how many times you book a hunt and you call the guy like, hey, how's it going? What should I bring? What clothes do I need? Just those little things. And you know what? The outfitter's busy. He's got clients. He's got uh, friends and family. He's trying to run a small business. So I'm really looking at technology. I'm looking at video content, really trying to make the consumer experience where like, man, these guys have bushwhack. It's just like so easy. They send me a video it had everything I needed to bring. It was from the head guide. He told me about what was going on. They told me about what rifle to think about. Um, I'm going to really try to lean into all the things I've learned over the years to, to make it a great experience. Um, and I also want to promote Alaska. I want other outfitters in Alaska to, to benefit and people to look at Alaska as a real, as a real destination. So I have reached out to the governor's office and, and, you know, really just want to be a part of how to make Alaska an amazing place. Uh, even though I'm a Maryland resident, it's important to me. Yeah. And, and, and so to say what you said about adding like some technology and everything into it to help make it simpler for people. The one thing I've learned about booking anything in Alaska is that you know, first of all, everything is so remote. So talking to the outfitters or the transporters or whatever is, is difficult to get a hold of for a lot of times and be able to knowing what you need to do, what it's just it's a very yeah, it's tough like a thing. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's it's the logistic aspect of that is is extremely difficult. If you can figure out how to utilize some technology with videos and educating people to do that, I think you would, you would create a really cool experience and make it simpler for people to be able to, to make that happen. Because I mean, I, I like a little bit of the kind of struggle and figuring it out. Cause it's kind of part of the adventure with it. But I think that's one of the, one of the reasons that people are kind of hesitant to make that jump into it. Yeah, no, I think people pay for a service and you should give them all the opportunities. Um, you know, they don't have to watch the video, but you should at least give them the opportunity to. So I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped about it. And we're going to partner with some great other brands. Uh, it's funny because it, at noon, I got the, the president of Field Ethos on the phone where I want to talk to magazines. I want to just, you know, I, I want to, this is important to me to build a business and a brand, but I'm looking at the reasons behind the scenes. And the reason is, is I just believe there's a culture war happening sometimes right in front of our face. Sometimes it's underground and uh, more of us need to get involved in building businesses that are employ people that have customers that are profitable, that are building brands. And it's because of the outdoors. 
That's that's the only way, man. You can't sit back on your couch and help fight this culture war. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree, Kip. And I've been trying to trying to take a lot of the advice that 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 you've taught me throughout the years and apply it to my own businesses and learning and and take things that you're passionate well, about and want to change not the world. Punching the clock nine to five. It it feels good. It feels really good. <laughs> it's it's scary sometimes, but it's good. <laughs> yeah, I've never worked for anybody. I've never had a job where someone else paid my paycheck, and it's it. People don't understand. It's liberating. But man, you know, like also making sure other people's paychecks don't bounce. Yeah. It's nerve wracking, man. It's hard. And I feel a lot of responsibility for, you know, 50 plus people at Big Truck. And then obviously Origin and Jocko Fuel, I'm a, I'm a partner in now. And I feel responsible for all those people. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've come to learn that and everything that I have ideas and things you want to do and trying to make it work. And it's, it's, you, you've said one thing to me before about focused effort and really trying to put focused effort into things. And that's really stuck. So I tried, I've tried not to spread myself too thin, but enough where I'm able to, you know, keep the, the ball rolling and keep it, keep it going. And, and some days I feel like I'm on top of the world. Other days I feel like my head's barely above water, but it's just this constant. And I think you just keep working at it. That's, that's it. You feel like you're bobbing like a buoy in the ocean and Sometimes you get dragged down in a storm and sometimes you're like, damn, it's sunny out. Um, So, but it, it, I don't know, man. It's just, I think we like it like that. Yeah, I know. It's it. I think you're a hundred percent right. Well, Kip, I I don't want to take any more of your time up. So I really appreciate you coming on. Everybody go check out uh, your Instagram 13 Pacific waves and then bushwhack Alaska. Yeah, well, uh, I'm, I want to say this to everybody. I'm always super impressed with you. Um, I always love uh, watching what you do. I think the way you've presented yourself to the marketplace, you've you've you really you you were yourself. You didn't try to become someone else. You just said, "Hey, here's who I am." And I think over the years, it's starting to pay back to you. So, you know, for all the listeners out there you know, that, that want to do things and just do things that are aligned with who you are and you'll be successful. And I think, Bo, you're a perfect example of that. And there's so much more to do and we never give ourselves credit on where we're at today. I surely don't do it. So it's nice occasionally when someone gives you a shout out, but I, I think you've done a hell of a job, man. Oh, I, I, I really appreciate that and appreciate all the, the help that you've given me throughout the years. Shit, most people just just ignore what I say. <laughs> I I've taken I've even I even rebranded this year after, based off a comment you made about my logo being too complicated years ago and every I, I've dope. So I was yeah, right about that. I, I know you were. I I believe me. Sometimes it might take a little bit longer for me to take all the advice and and put it into action. But I've I've listened to your advice. It's all up here. <laughs> well, one of, one of my favorite hats is still your orange East Meets West hat that I wore all through buck season. So I was, well, I was definitely representing. I know you are, man. I appreciate that. Well, awesome. I appreciate it, Bo. And uh, uh, hope your family and friends have a great uh, Christmas. Yeah, you too, buddy. All right. Cheers. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.